Welcome to the So What's Next podcast, a podcast for Bennies and Johnnies, by Bennies and Johnnies, answering some of the biggest questions and making meaningful connections between alums and the world around us. question many feel is a binary choice at times. And what about your passions, your friends, the frivolous things you enjoy doing in your spare time? Do we just say goodbye to those altogether when it comes time to raise kids and progress in a career? Those questions were already tough prior to the pandemic. Now we've spent the past two years rethinking the balance between family, career, and passions altogether again. We've all seen the headlines and heard the stories. Parents of young kids are out of steam and worn out due to their childcare challenges. Remote work has added stress to the already stressful lives of parents who must find time for both balancing a progressing career and managing the needs of their family. And we are still very unsure about just how drastic the impact of off and on schooling will have on the long-term development of our children, both socially and intellectually. Although it must be noted that early signs and studies are showing that the impacts are alarmingly negative. At times, it seemed like the world around us, particularly in the past two years, forced parents into one of two buckets. You're only allowed to have kids or a job, not both. Many of you that tune into this podcast have recently graduated with your undergrad degree, putting you between the ages of 22 and 35. Of course, this means a solid group of us are either starting to get to the point where having a family is a reality or already to the point where you've started a family. If you're part of those groups, or if you're well into your work and family life, this podcast is for you. Learning how to balance work and family life isn't easy. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. Every person and family must find specific solutions that work for them when balancing a career, kids, and self-care. Here to share her advice and experience on the importance of dedication to both family and a career, and detail her experiences in just doing that herself, is Dr. Jessica Najarian-Bell. Dr. Najarian-Bell is a 2010 CSB grad, pediatrician in the Twin Cities, mom of three, and active runner. Dr. Jess shares tips, advice, and inspirations to families about what it means to grow up well. Dr. Jess, thanks for being here today. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so let's just start out with you. Can you share a little bit with us about your journey starting at St. Ben's and St. John's to becoming a pediatrician and what I thought was a mom of three, but now I just found out is a mom of soon to be four. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, it's going to be busy. Well, it already is busy, but (laughs) uh, we'll be even more so. So yeah, so I... um, just, yeah, my journey at St. Ben St. John's was so wonderful. I knew going in a little bit that I enjoyed science and medicine. My grandpa, um, was a surgeon growing up. So he, I got to see him do different transplants, which was awesome. Um, so I knew that I had that passion for science and medicine, and then I'm the oldest of five kids. And so I have always loved to be around kids. I've always loved kids, babysitting, all of that. So I kind of had that going in, but I also 
loved music. So actually with starting out at St. Ben St. John's, I was um, biology and music major. So I started out with piano, but then actually moved to the organ. So did that. Um, and I had some wonderful influential people um, in my journey there that kind of led me to medicine. So um, I would say my classes and experiences there really pushed me towards applying to medical school. Uh, Dr. Manny Campos, who is a, an anatomy professor, um, really was instrumental in that process. So through his anatomy class, but also he's the one who got me into running. And so I ran my, that doesn't surprise me at all. I was going to ask that. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. You probably hear that a lot. So yeah, he's just, he's just so great. So got to do lots of runs with him. Um, and he kind of trained, helped me train for my first marathon, but then also learned a lot of anatomy and physiology. So that experience. And then, um, at the end of my four years at St. Ben's, um, St. John's, I did go with the Asian studies program to Nepal and India, um, which was so amazing, just life-changing experience, but went with, um, a small group of, um, other Bennies and Johnnies. It was kind of a May term kind of summer, um, study abroad in a sense. And so we each had had a grant. Um, and we, I looked at the aging population in Nepal, um, as well as worked in some orphanages there. And so that was just, I think kind of solidified. This is what I want to do. I want to take care of people and, and I love medicine and, and the science behind it. So then that's how I decided to apply to medical school. I then went on to Creighton medical school in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and my, uh, husband actually, who's also a Johnny, um, he went to dental school in uh, uh, at Creighton a, a couple of years after I started medical school, and so he was there as well. I did my pediatric residency in Omaha. The decision to go into peds because you're in medical school for four years, you get to do rotations in all the different specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, and my pediatric um, kind of rotation in medical school, the preceptor was a NICU, so um, doctor, and he he posed to me, who do you not mind getting up in the middle of the night for? What patient population? Is it, is it adults? Is it kids? Is it babies? Who is it? And for me, it was just a no brainer. I can get up at 2 a.m. in the morning for babies and kids, and that doesn't bother me at all. So that's kind of what led me into pediatrics. I love, you know, all people and all humans, but, um, these little humans are, are my favorite. So did pediatric residency in Omaha at the children's hospital there. Mm -hmm. And then we had our first, um, baby, my first year of residency there. Um, my husband then pursued orthodontics in, uh, residency in Iowa city, So we actually lived apart for a year. So I had our toddler in Omaha while I finished up residency. And then he was in Iowa and then we joined him in Iowa city. We had our second baby there, um, a little boy, we had a girl and then a boy. Um, and then we moved back to Stillwater, Minnesota, where I practice now. And we had our third baby, um, another boy at the beginning of my, um, practicing here in Minnesota. So it's been a really wild ride into pediatrics and into motherhood and life, but I 
I wouldn't change anything. It's been great. Right. You living apart from your husband while having one kid is actually a really good, I think, test bed for what everybody probably started to experience in terms of change between workplace and family life during COVID in the last two years. I was doing some research before we hopped on this call, and I saw a recent uh, study from the Pew Research Center that came out that said 43% of employed parents still say that they have jobs that can be done from home but 57% say their jobs can't be done remotely. So of all those people that have that option, seven in 10 say that they're still working from home all or most of the time. So to me, that's still a pretty staggering statistic in terms of having to make really hard decisions. Like I'm sure the one that you and your husband had to make for parenting in different locations for a year was. Um, So how has your work and your family life and the advice that you give to young adults and parents changed in the past two years because of this shift in the balance of everybody's lives. Right. Right. It's, it's definitely changed quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the medicine of my work and and that doesn't, doesn't change a whole lot, but the conversations just has, have changed. So just from, and, and every profession is, you know, has seen this and felt this, but, um, from my experience, you know, you, you go from, just the clinic staff and the doctors having burnout, but then your patients, Mm -hmm. right? Your patients having burnout and, and from, from being at home, having to work from home and having to also have kiddos at home and taking care of them when, you know, if daycares are shut down or if they don't have childcare. Um, So a lot of conversations I have every single day are focused on that. So, you know, what, what do the parents do? What should they focus on? Um, and we talk so much about mental health, um, because that is, you know, it has always been a really important forefront, but it is, oh, just of utmost importance. And as you have seen through the COVID, um, pandemic, the, it's just really come to come to a head. Um, and especially in our teens. So, a lot of teens, you know, didn't get to have that senior year. They didn't get to experience those, those special moments for them. They had to do distance learning. So their mental health was impacted. And then all the way down to toddlers who those first few years of preschool or kindergarten, grade school, that's for building social interactions. So they, how do they have that when they're having to stay home? Um, and, and then going into the parents where they're burnt out they're working from home a lot of times, or they're balancing going to a job and trying to figure out is daycare going to be shut down this week? I don't know, maybe. Um, And then on top of that, the worry of, am I going to be okay if I get COVID? Is my child going to be okay? How do we keep them as healthy and safe as they can be? So just lots of different talking points. Um, But I felt that I could... resonate with those parents and be able to talk through things um, because I was experiencing the same thing. I mean, for an example, this week, my son's daycare is shut down for COVID um, and he's been sick as well. And so he's home. So how do we, how do we juggle that? I do some virtual visits. I, my husband and I kind of trade off on, on who's going to do some of the driving and, and all that. So being able to talk to parents about, how to balance all of that and, and giving yourself grace in that time um, is, has been, a, you know, a large part of, of clinic for me. Um, 
-hmm. And then, yeah, focusing on our mental health, focus on what you're doing to keep yourself healthy, doing things for yourself. Um, And the biggest thing that I always talk about is, yes, we're going to do everything we can to be safe, right? So if that, for you, that is getting your vaccine, if that is masking, if that, you know, all the things that, that you can do to be safe, but then you need your people, you need your people around you, your support unit. Um, So families focusing on those people that can help support them um, in these times. So clinic life has definitely changed and my family life has definitely changed. Um, So it's, it's been a learning curve, but I think that I have learned a lot from it um, through the good and the bad. Um, And so I think going forward, I'm going to be able to impart more and more to my patients and my, and my family through experiencing this. Have you seen anything in, in the last two years of this practice, particularly related to kids, but I think also parents as well, that you think will have sustaining impact, like more impact that you've been. And you, I know you said medicine and how, and how you're, you know, distributing medicine doesn't necessarily change so much, but I'm sure the questions change and the frequency of visits change and how people are visiting with you changes too. Right. What have you seen that has had the greatest impact on children, but also parents as well in the last two years? Is, are there things that have stood out where you're like, okay, that'll probably be around for the next five or 10 years because of the, the impact of, you know, the world on families the past yeah. two. Right. You know, I definitely, um, I think our children, um, because things that happen to you, right. You as adults, we can choose how we're going to approach them. Um, and then for our children, we, the, my big thing is teaching them resilience because that's what we've had to learn over these past years. Um, so yes, not great things are, have happened the past two years and how are we going to approach that? Um, and so I think that's going to be continuing on kind of the, the flip side with things, um, with clinic visits changing, um, you know, our clinic looks different now. So we have, we've learned that, you know, maybe it is good to have a well side and a sick side. And so we're not, you know, whatever illness it is. And so, that has, we've learned from that. And I think families learn from that. Okay. We're not going to maybe always come in right away if we have a runny nose, but we're going to call and see what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more has been done virtually. Of course, it's hard um, in kiddos because you can't always get, you know, exactly what's going on from them unless you're physically next to them, listening to them and looking at them. Um, but we have been doing more virtual visits, um, and just having that conversation with parents of, okay, how are they doing? What's going on now? Do you need to come in for a visit? Which is so different than it was two years ago where it was, that wasn't even on the horizon. So I think that is going to continue, um, you know, not for your well visits and not for those general visits, but perhaps for those sick visits when it's like, okay, let's check in, let's talk about, you know, that you, the diaper rash or the thing that we can kind of talk about over the phone or with teens. Can we talk about your, your medication check? Can we check in and see how you're doing virtually? Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're at college, you know, and then, and then you get to see me maybe six months before you actually come home from college. So those things I think are going to stay with us. And we've learned from kind of a very basic thing that my kids have really learned is masking. So our clinic, 
you're, you have to wear a mask when you go in. And then kind of depending on the school and the school system and the daycare system, you may have, may or may not have to wear a mask, but just the conversations of we're going to wear a mask and a a child gets in a car, they get in their car seat, they know they're going to buckle up. That's just routine for them. But I've seen over the past two years, the masks have become the same thing and children are so resilient. They're like, yep, I go into a clinic or I go somewhere inside that requires it. I'm going to put my mask on. And I would have never thought two years ago that children would just adapt to that. Um, and it, it, it really is amazing to see because then you do see that child learning. Why are we doing this? And I should take charge of, you know, keeping myself healthy and, and all that self-care. So I think that will right. also play with us. Right. Right. So sh- shifting away from, from the children a little bit now and more to the parents, because yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the people that listen to the show are between the ages of roughly 22, 18 to 22, but then mostly 22 to 35. Yep. Um, and it, and it spans wider than that, but that's really the core range of our listeners. So with that comes a lot of either new parents or soon to be parents or, or alums that are probably considering starting a family soon as well. Um, And they're asking a lot of these questions. A lot of these questions for this podcast I got were actually from young alums who are sitting in those shoes right now. Awesome. Yeah. And one of the things that came up a lot is creating space for your life, the important things outside of a family. And how do we identify that before starting a family? And how do we maintain that while we have a growing family? Because the weight of what is important changes when you do have a growing family. So based on your experience, because you have a growing family, but also with, you know, talking with your colleagues and talking with families, how do we do that? How do we create space in our lives for the important things while still focusing on the obvious, very important thing of that growing family? Right, right. So, and, and this was instilled in me very early on when I started freshman year at St. Ben's, um, to focus on balance in life and finding those things that bring me joy. So I have, I really have continued that throughout, throughout my career. Um, it was also something that was so important at Creighton was balance. And of course it is really hard to find when you're studying all the time. And, and then when you're out of school and starting to think about a family, like, how am I going to have that balance? Um, for me, um, I always, have thought and believed, and this can be, you know, you don't have to believe this, but I think that I personally can do two things really well. And the, and if, and so for me, what are those two things? And for me, those are family and medicine. And so how can I do those two things? Well, well, exercise for me is therapeutic. It's my therapy. So if I go out on a run, um, I feel so much better when I get back. Um, everyone is different. And so everyone has different joys and passions and things that, that are that balance for them. Um, so finding that is, is something that that can be hard, but if you write down what brings you joy in life, I think you'll quickly find what thing is going to bring you balance. Um, one thing that has been helpful is to have a partner. If you have a partner who also values that. So my husband, also really values having that balance in life. Um, and I 
humbly say this, but people do say, wow, you guys do really find time to do things for you. And, and I don't take it as, as a negative thing. I think it's so important to do that because yes, it may change. So before having kids, I was able to work out a lot longer. Three hour runs were just easy to do on the weekends. Now it's different. I have to get up early in the morning or late at night, or we have a great jogging stroller. I take our kids on jogs in, but if just getting out, getting moving for me, that's so important. And so my husband can identify, Hey, you maybe haven't taken time for that recently. Let's, how can we, how can we do that for you? Um, running on empty is not the answer for yourself. Um, and so for me, if I don't do that, I'm not the best mom. I'm not best doctor that I can be. Um, and so, yes, when you start a family or are thinking about starting a family or just, it doesn't have to be a kid family. It can be an animal family. You can even get a bunch of dogs and that's okay too. Cause not everyone wants kids. Um, that may change the, the amount, the weight that you are able to put towards that thing. That's your balance, but always having that there is important because you are important. You know, you're important. And so that's not selfish at all. Um, and so I think right. maintaining that, um, has really been really a godsend for me throughout my busy career life. And then going into motherhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You had me almost crack up there. The three hour <laughs> runs and the therapy just they don't they don't quite they don't quite connect for me they don't quite connect for me yet but someday I hope they do that's that's uh well everyone is different right yes exactly exactly and I think that's the key point to take away there for sure um but balance translates directly to in in some ways I think identity as well um and becoming a parent often creates an identity struggle between the identity as a parent and the identity that you have as an individual often with the former giving way to the latter, or excuse me, the giving away the individual giving way to the parent, um, as you have children. So how do we maintain our own identity as Jess or as Andrew while gaining a new one as a parent or a new parent? Right. Um, and it can be so different and I will emphasize again, everyone is different. So to be happy for me and to be fulfilled. And I think this is true for most people is to have a purpose, right? And so that purpose is going to, it can be so many different things. Some people find that being a full-time parent at home, once they start a family, that's their purpose. And that is, that is wonderful. It's one of the hardest jobs out there, honestly. Um, For me, my purpose was both being a mommy and continuing my, my pursuit of something else that I loved. And that is pediatrics. I find that I'm a much better mom, much better wife. If I have both in my life. Um, but trying to keep that identity is so important. So, because you can wear many hats, um, and, and that's okay. Things do shift and there are many seasons of life. So, so keeping that, that in mind for me, what I, what I try to do is I think quality is sometimes going to be my biggest asset for me because I'm not going to have quantity of time. So when I'm at work, I do my work. I love my work, but I try to finish my notes there. I try to get my work done there. And then when I go home, it's just about my kids. It's just about my family. Um, So then even if I just have an hour or two at night, 
bedtime and dinner time, that's that quality time there. Um, but I, again, I circle back to that self-care um, because starting a family and your job or career, that doesn't take away from the fact that, that you don't need to take care of yourself. Um, and otherwise you're not going to be the best version of yourself. Um, and so you can do both very, very well. Um, but, but again, everyone is different. I always try to think too, if my, one of my sons or my daughter came up to me and they were, you know, trying to, you know, worried, okay, mom, I have this awesome thing that I pursued my dreams and, you know, passions in college. And I pursued that, but now I want to have a family. And I would say, you can do both. You can do both. You just have to, that has to be right for you. And you also have to make time for self-care. So, um, I think that that has helped me not lose that, that identity that, that we have. Right. I, I think that's such a good answer to that question. Um, as I've been doing these podcasts now for, you know, 14 months or, or whatever it's been, mm-hmm. and I start to part, you know, piece them apart. I think two themes that continue to come back is this, this question on how identity and balance are related. Um, and that can translate to identity in other parts of our lives that are consuming too much too. So if you're listening to this podcast and family isn't on your horizon, think about other things in your life, like balancing your work and your passions. You know, if you have too much time, what are you passionate about that you might be able to fill that time with? If you're having time consumed by too many things, you know, take a second and think about like what pieces of your identity do you really qualify as worthwhile? Um, so I don't think that necessarily just translates to family, but that is a really good answer. And I think this, you know, one size doesn't fit all approach is not just with family life, but it's with your work. It's with your passions. It's with, you know, if you are an avid runner, you know, if you're an avid reader, um, if you're playing nine hours of video games and you you probably (laughs) should be playing four, you know, those types of things. Um, but, but going back to family and, and this identity and this balance and, and kind of continuing, um, down those lines, um, you can't do it alone. So as our lives change, our social and support circles change too. How do we find a good support system as a parent? Because it takes a village to raise a kid. Um, it's definitely very hard to do on your own. And, and those that do do it on their own should be put on a pedestal. Um, so especially if you are one of the first of your friend group or peers to have kids, how should we be thinking about approaching these support circles and, and, and leveraging them? Right. Right. Oh, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. You, you have to have that support system. Um, so for us, we, we were the first of our friends to have kids, but we didn't live near family. So when we were in training, um, so we were in Nebraska and we were in Iowa. Um, we had an awesome group of friends throughout our training. They were really our saving grace. Um, and that was, that was amazing. I don't think I could have done, done anything without them. Um, especially when, when I was separate, when my husband and I were living apart, um, with our daughter, that was, that was a, that was a real challenge. So kind of find those, those people. Um, but then when we did move back, um, we moved closer to family. So we do lean on them in times of need. So I think that if some, that is something that is, you know, accessible to you, that is awesome. We also, from the beginning, from when we, when we got married said, we, we don't ever want family to feel like they are 
like resenting us um, or us using them as a constant babysitter. Um, because we want, we want grandma and grandpa to be grandma and grandpa. We want aunts and uncles to have fun and not feel like, oh gosh, again, they're having to call us. Of course we, (laughs) we call them in those times of need. And, um, so we have really tried to focus on, you know, a non-family babysitter, if we can have those, because there are so many awesome people out there. Um, and then trying to discuss every week, okay, do you have a meeting tonight or you have this tonight? Can you be home at this time? So communication, I think that is, that's one of the, the biggest thing. Um, but, but yes, you do need that, that village and, and don't, don't be a martyr, you know, ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Um, and even, even from your colleagues, I think I was very fortunate to find a group um, that I'm working with now that that's understanding. I mean, I have had to be out multiple times when our kids daycare is shut down. So that understand that you, if you have to take time for that or take time for, for yourself. Um, but having that family and, or that, um, that tribe that is yours and it doesn't have to be blood relatives. It doesn't. Um, but, but that is so key. Um, even if you need somebody just to have a, a coffee or a glass of wine with, that can be also be very helpful. Both are important. Yes. Yes. So, so how, based on your own experiences and your own family that, and that was one part of this, but uh, you know, how has your overall philosophy on parenting changed um, and how you approach your discussions based off of your own experiences changed over the years? Because, you know, I'm sure how you approach parenting with your first child is quite different than how you're going to approach parenting with your soon to be fourth child. Yes, yes, yes. It, and it is ever changing. So I think I definitely approached, um, approach things a lot differently before having kids and now approach them differently after having some experience. I fail all the time. I fail as a mom all the time and that's okay. The most important thing to me and my partner is that we, that our kids feel loved. So if they go to bed every night, knowing and feeling that they are loved, that is the most important thing. Um, consistency, I would always say is, and we struggle with this at times, but consistency between both, you know, mom and dad, um, or, you know, whomever are the, the parental figures there, that's so important. So then that child sees that, um, one thing that we, or that I talk about in clinic a lot. And I try to also talk to myself a lot about is giving yourself grace. Um, you know, especially with, with life, but also with the pandemic, it's okay to do that screen time. If you need it, if you need that little break, it's okay to have multiple snacks in a day. Those things are okay. You're doing your best as a parent. And I think maybe before kids, I wouldn't have felt that way, but, um, after, after going through some of these times, I think that that has shifted and, and that is, has, has changed a lot. (laughs) We try to create lots of memories. And so instead of kind of material things, we try to create memories because the time is so fleeting. So if we can have experiences for our children, whatever that may be small or big, um, that's been important to us, but yeah, it definitely has been a, been a journey and I'm still learning. I learn every day about from my kids and from other people. So right. Rarely a dull, rarely a dull moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you touched on this, uh, while answering this last question a little bit, and I want you to dive a little bit deeper into it. Um, because I think a lot of parents probably have questions about, um, 
seeking balance between the roles in parenting. Um, so for parents that have partners, you know, I can imagine that, like you said, sharing the burden is a core piece. Burden's probably not the right word. The responsibility right. Um, <laughs> is a core piece of successfully taking on this part of life. So sharing roles that work for both and to feel equal and not to feel locked into, for example, traditionally genderized, you know, gender driven roles um, or feeling left out or useless as a partner who isn't, you know, the quote unquote primary caregiver. Right. Um, how do you sort through that type of balance between um, if there are partners taking care of the child between those two individuals or, you know, again, extending to the family and beyond as well? Yep. So we, um, we try to divide and conquer. So divide, divide the things <laughs> right. that your daily duties. Right. And so that is the same when you have a family as when you, you know, were in college or are out of college, there are things that just have to get done. And so we've tried to divide. What do we, of course, not everyone enjoys all the things we have to do every day, but things that maybe we like doing better. So I, for one, like coordinating, you know, activities for our kids, making sure they get placed on time, making sure we get our, you know, deliveries of diapers and wipes on time. I do that. I also really enjoy mowing the lawn. So I take on those things. And then my, yeah. Right. (laughs) And so my husband actually is awesome at cooking and he is great at, he actually really does enjoy doing laundry. Um, in addition to so many other things. So we really, yeah, do not those prior gender roles or, or whatever, we do not follow by those because that just, it doesn't work and we don't enjoy the same thing. So it works out for us. And so we've kind of taken that approach. Um, so I think dividing and conquering is best in delegating, you know, say, Hey, I can only do X today. Can you take this on? Or, um, and we have a calendar. So as you get into family, life or just busier, a calendar, shared calendar is the Holy grail, a very ideal. Yes. Um, and, and of course, you know, there can be some of those challenges. Um, I do a lot of, uh, I'm a lactation consultant in pediatrics. And so we talk a lot about that, um, as people start to have babies and start to have children, because a lot of times the, the other partner does feel, feel left out. They're not the one breast nursing or, you know, able to provide that sometimes. And so how can they be a part of things? So I think having, again, communication and that open conversations about things. So there isn't resentment and you're not feeling like, well, I'm doing everything here. Um, and you feel like you're each taking on that, a good role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think if you could take everything that we've just talked about and now we've covered a lot. And if people have been listening intently, I bet that they could pick away three key pieces. But if you could give us three key pieces of advice that you believe are at the core of successfully moving into a life of balancing family, your passions and work, what would they be? Oh, well, and I do not think I do things successfully all the time, but I have enjoyed the journey. So um, I would say I have learned this over time. So I would say number one, I would say self-care is not selfish. Repeat that to yourself multiple times. And that is going to be a life, life lesson for, for me. And I think, I think just for everyone, it's so great. Find your purpose and what brings you joy. Write that down, right? Write, write what brings you joy, write what you like to make a list and seeing it in front of you is, is, has been very instrumental for me. Um, and then I think 
thirdly, and what I really actually have been trying to work on is that inner dialogue inside your head. Make sure that that's always positive because we can be pretty down and pretty negative to ourselves. Um, and so flip that script and, and my goal this year is if it does start to get negative, which does at times thinking, you know, what if things aren't going to happen? What if this doesn't work out? Flipping it to what if it all does work out? What if everything works out really well? And so, so trying to have that positive inner dialogue in your head, I think is, is very helpful because there's going to be a lot of negative times. There are going to be a lot of positive times, but if you can be positive, have a positive mindset about things, it does make it a lot easier. I think it's really cool that the things that you said apply so well to moving into a family life and finding that balance, but they're also just core to your being as, as an individual through any stage of life, no matter where you're at. Um, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't tie that back into kind of the community at St. Ben's and St. John's and what we learned there too. Um, finding that balance was something that's core to, and you even said it yourself was core to your four years on campus. Exactly. Um, and, and learning that you're different from the person next to you and what's successful for you isn't necessarily successful for them. And that applies to parenting just as it applies to so many other things. Yep. So I'm going to end this with the same way I end every podcast, and we got a little hint of it. So I'm a little curious to hear what you have to say beyond this, but yeah. what's next for 2022 and beyond for you, other than the fourth child oh, in your family? Right. <laughs> right. Well, well, if that isn't enough, we do have another big adventure coming up. We are actually moving back to the St. Cloud uh, kind of Sartell area. Mm. So moving away from Stillwater and um, I'll be practicing pediatrics and my husband will be doing orthodontics. And so um, kind of all along in the timing of baby and everything. So it's, it's exciting. It's nerve wracking, but we, I just, every chapter of life is just such an adventure and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. So yeah, that's, that's what our 2022 brings. So wish us lots of luck. Yes. (laughs) Best of luck and an early congratulations to you both on the child and the move. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed yeah. being a part. Yeah. Of and thank you. I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of young alums out there who have a lot to, to say positively about this episode and a lot to take away. I certainly learned a lot myself. So thank you for joining. Well, thank you again. Thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of So What's Next. If you have any questions about this episode or about Dr. Nigerian Bell, or you would like more resources on this episode or Dr. Nigerian Bell, please DM the Yak Instagram page or email us at csbsjuyac at gmail.com and we will get back to you. As always, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to So What's Next on your platform of choice and share it with your friends. We always appreciate a good share. We'll see you back here again in March.